Hello and welcome to the Non-Perfect Parents Club podcast. I'm Emma, a mama of two girls, an ex-nursery practitioner and the creator of the Non-Perfect Parents Club. The Non-Perfect Parents Club is all about support, honesty, truths, acknowledging that none of us can be perfect parents because it's impossible and basically just speaking the unspoken. The only rule here is no judgment allowed. I love hearing people's stories, I love finding out about other parents, their family dynamics, their values and how they tick. So that is what this podcast is going to be. Some great honest conversations about parenting, hopefully delving into some nitty gritty thoughts and feelings that will make us all laugh, cry and sigh a big sigh of relief. Hello and welcome back to the Non-Perfect Parents Club podcast. Today I'm joined by Ruby. Hi Ruby, welcome to the podcast, thank you for joining me. So if you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your family dynamic and any heritage. Hi, I'm Ruby, I'm an artist and zine maker and my business is called Dotty Delightful. I have three sons, they are 25, 26 and 29 and I live with my partner and um, I was a single mum for eight years before I met my partner. Um, in a domestic violent relationship before that mm-hmm. uh, which was quite difficult with three little ones yeah. I was a teen mum so I was pregnant when I was 17 had him when I was 18 so it, yeah it was quite a, an experience <laughs> <laughs> the main rule of the non-perfect parents club is no judgment allowed have you ever felt judged in your parenting and can you tell us about it Oh gosh, yeah. So my eldest one, mm-hmm. he was two, and he had the MMR vaccines. Yeah. And the day after, he started bashing his head against the fridge, screaming. Um, so I took him back to the doctor, explained what was happening. You know, there was something wrong with him and stuff. And he said, no, he was fine. He was just tired or whatever yeah. it was. And I kept going back and saying he's different. He's not like a light. Before he was all cheerful and, you know, happy. And then after that, he wasn't. It was like he wasn't in his own body. Um, And this went on for years. So I had to go to parenting classes because they said it was me. Uh, I had to go on courses, how to be a better parent. Um, And it was awful. It was with, like people that were criminals or people Mm -hmm. that kids had been in care and stuff and I thought Mm -hmm. I'm not like any of these people and it's not me but because he was so happy in himself like if you talk to him he'd Mm -hmm. smile so they'd always say oh he's got a nice smile and as he he got older oh he's so polite and it's like but he does things like set fire to furniture in the middle of the night or you know he has proper massive meltdowns being young and stuff, I didn't have a clue about anything. Say, do you think some of that judgment was because you were a young mum? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I was, and because the police used to come to our house a lot because of their dad being violent. Yeah, I think there was already a thing of it's because of that. Yeah, it's not actually b- yeah. because there was an issue, and it and it wasn't until he was fifteen and he set fire to a park in front of a fireman, which <laughs> <God laughs> was ridiculous, um, and the fireman and policeman brought him back to our house and said there's something not right with this lad like even dodgy people don't on purpose set fire in front of a fireman and I was like I've been saying this for years so they both wrote a statement out that I could take to the doctor and he finally got seen by the psychologist and I think it was the psychiatrist as well maybe and they said that he was autistic and and that's what it was the whole of his life 
but it was awful. So yeah, I was judged loads. Yeah, and yeah. in terms of your um, relationship, so was that already violent when you had the children? Like before you had the children? No, not no. at all. No. So so when I I got with him when I was sixteen, and then we had James when I was eighteen, and then he was and he was fine. He mm -hmm. was he's really nice. Um, and then I got pregnant with Adam, mm -hmm. and he was fine. And I don't remember anything around that time. Like, I can't even remember being pregnant with Adam, so nothing must have happened. Yeah. Um, and then after I did, after having Adam, I found out that he'd been trying it on with all my friends while I was in the hospital. Wow. Um, and then and it was after that that everything started changing and he started becoming... Right. violent and and life was horrible yeah. and then three months after having adam uh he raped me and that's how i got pregnant wow. with chris um and then and after that it just got worse and worse and then one day like so my background is my mum and dad's relationship was violent my dad right, was okay. violent with my mum right I didn't know a different thing, so to mm -hmm. me it was normal. Yeah. I told my mum what was happening, and she was like, "It's your fault. You, you know, you you talk too much. You you not you don't have his tea ready. All them cliched yeah. things." Yeah. And I said to my dad, he took me to the hospital when I was for antenatal, and I said, "Dad, I really need your help. He's hitting me. He's doing all this stuff to me." And he said, "Well, it's none of my business." And he wouldn't help. So, so in that situation, I felt like I had nobody yeah. to, to to talk to. to. Yeah. I wouldn't ask a professional because yeah. all my um, experience with professionals, I'd, I'd been let down by them. Yeah. So I wouldn't turn to anyone. And any friends I had were all in violent relationships too. Yeah. So it just seemed normal. So, But what changed it was, he came home one day... James was five at the time, mm -hmm. and he ran up to him, Daddy, Daddy, you're home. And he had uh, steel toe cap work boots on, and he kicked him. And something in yeah. my head snapped. And it was almost like, for the first time in all them years, I could see this isn't this isn't yeah. it. Um, and that's how I ended up. I got the police to come and get take him away, and that was how we ended up splitting up right it's like my mum instinct kicked yeah, in yeah do you know yeah do stuff to me it's not right but do stuff but, to yeah. me but do it to the kids it's mm -hmm. not happening and so how did that once you'd split up how was that relationship then because obviously you've still got the kids together yeah did that was that still quite you know it was difficult because so I'd been I I was a grew, brought up a Christian mm -hmm. really in a strict Christian household so I've yeah. never really done anything so me getting pregnant was a massive yeah. shock, but being with him from I was sixteen till in my mid twenties yeah. I'd not gone out I'd not done anything so I started getting new friends, mm -hmm. going out drinking, taking drugs, partying I was always having parties at my house and stuff, he carried on being like he he was. Right. So there was this conflict mm. of I was living a life and he was the same, but in a worse predicament now because he didn't have his family. Um, so every other weekend he'd take the kids and uh, and then every other weekend I'd have them. And they started coming home really upset and, and like sad and saying, oh, daddy's done this and daddy's done that. And and trying to talk to him, you, you could, there was yeah. no co-parenting yeah, going yeah. on. And at the time I was on benefits, I was like, really skint on benefits and I'd asked him for shoes for James for school 
because he worked a full-time job because he didn't give any money for the kids mm -hmm. um <clears throat> there was no uh what's it called where they give you money see oh yeah that, um, i can't remember the name of it that wasn't yeah. there anyway um and he said i've got no money and then he turned up in a brand new sports car so I took a baseball bat to it. So <laughs> it was like that. That was kind of the dynamic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, when I say it now, I think, well, what, what on earth? But back then, all them years ago. Anyway, um, so I had a new boyfriend, and the kids had said to him, "Please don't make us go with daddy." And he says, "You got to go. It's your daddy's time. You know, you go and have a nice time at the weekend." And he said, "He hits us. If we get out of bed, he hits us." So he said to him, if daddy hits you today, you you say to him that he was called Craig. Mm. Craigie will come and punch him in the face. I went, you can't say that. <laughs> anyway, so within half an hour, I get a phone call. How dare your boyfriend threaten me? I said, have you hit the kids? It doesn't matter. I said, no, have you hit mm. the kids? So from then on, we went to solicitors. Yeah. He had to have um, supervised access. He never turned up. And then we got a letter from his solicitor saying, I don't want anything to do with the children ever again. I've, I've burnt all the toys. You can tell them that. That's in this letter. Oh um, I've got rid of all the stuff. I was just like... So I kept all of them letters because I thought when they get older, they might yeah. say, why didn't you yeah. let us see him all? And then when James was 11, he'd come home one day crying his eyes out. He'd seen his dad and his dad had tried to drag him in the car and take him. Um... And then nothing. And then when he was 15, he turned up on the door and said, I want to see James. I'm not interested in the other two. I just want to see him. And James really wanted to see mm -hmm. him. And I said, OK, you can go for an hour, but you mm -hmm. make sure you come back. And then it was two hours and it, and it increased bit by bit because yeah. I didn't trust him. Yeah. Um, and then the first time he'd stayed, I think, all day, James come back and he was like, you're still here? And I was like, where would I be? And he said, Daddy said that you'd have run off, you'd have took my brothers and run off because you never wanted me. And I was like, after all them years, he was still messing with his head. Mm. And because of James' James's autism, he takes anything that anybody yeah. says as the truth. Yeah. You know, he hasn't got that filter of thinking, hang on, this is a manipulation. Mm -hmm. He just, so then that, that was that. So he's never seen the, the younger two. He's never been interested mm. in them. Um, and James went to stay with him when he was 18 for a month. And they ended up fighting with each other, punching each other. And that, and then he's never seen him since. So it was really difficult. But I'm, in a way, I'm glad that I didn't have to co-parent with him yeah. all them years. Yeah, yeah. It'd have been awful. Yeah. It was better being a single mum, I think. Yeah. Less and did pressure. you find that hard as a single mum? found it hard being a mum and being me. Yeah. I wanted my own life. I wanted mm -hmm. to do my own things. I had a, a whole plan of going to London and doing fashion. And then because I'd got pregnant, I couldn't do that. Yeah. felt like my life had been taken away in some ways. Yeah. And I was still trying to live a single woman life mm -hmm. with three kids. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the time I judge myself and I feel guilty for some of the choices I made. Um, but I tried my best with the knowledge and support yeah. that I had at the time, you know, yeah. and that's all you can do, yeah. I think. How do you feel about parenting? Good, bad, has it changed you? Do you have any regrets? I know we've kind of touched on that slightly. But... Yeah. Uh, I always wanted to be a mum, mm -hmm. I was, but I didn't think I'd be a mum that young. Yeah. But now I'm glad that I was a mum when I was young because now I'm 47 and I'm 
I'm not free as a bird because <laughs> they've got their own special things, you know, as grown-ups yeah. they don't just go off. But um, I feel like I can do all the things now that I didn't do and now I'm mature and make better choices. Yeah. Um, I don't have any regrets because I think even though I've been through some hideous things, it shapes you to who you are now. So if I hadn't have done all and things, yeah. I wouldn't be me, and I like me now. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't regret anything. Um, the other thing that I think is, so when I got with Tom, seventeen years ago, I really wanted a baby with him because I thought mm-hmm. it'd be different. It'd be a different yeah. dynamic, but it never happened. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think, oh, that'd have been nice. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I can't. Yeah, I don't really regret anything mm. um but it, and it has shaped me and it has changed me mm-hmm. because i've seen through the kids eyes the magic in the world again mm-hmm. where i'd lost it a little bit yeah um so that i think that's amazing and how was your kind of relationship or dynamic with your mum and dad after you realized you know you said about seeing your relationship with the boy's dad for what it was how was your did that change your dynamic with your mum and dad at all or the relationship or well so my dad and mum got divorced when I was seven mm-hmm. before that I thought my dad was incredible and amazing he was like everything was good I didn't know I didn't know we were poor I didn't know that there was trouble because yeah, everybody okay. at school was the same yeah so it's like you didn't know anything and mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed out of the garden gate to see other kids or play with other kids because we were Christian and they wasn't. Right. So I didn't know a different thing. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't till I was probably in my late 30s when I started doing work on myself and my ancestral path. Mm-hmm. So my mum was adopted when she was a baby. Right. My dad's mum killed herself and right. he found her when he was five. Oh, uh, and he went to live in a home with nuns. And all his brothers and sisters got split up all over the country in different homes and stuff. So there was no roots. We didn't have any roots. So I started doing our family tree. By this point, both my parents had died. Um, And I found that there was... We've got a massive family all over. And that made me feel like I I had some kind of stability and roots. Mm -hmm. But it made me see my parents as both wounded people that had come together trying to make some at work and they were just I kept thinking of them as little children mm. how would they be as little children and then they'd have both been so hurt and upset and sad and then and as adults they'd not done any work on themselves yeah. to change that so then they're trying to get together and make this thing work and it, it was never gonna work yeah ever so I'd, I feel like I just feel sorry for him really yeah that that was their experience Um, and I don't feel I didn't have a bad childhood I had an Mm. amazing childhood you know they did the best that they could uh, uh, the same as what I've done Um, and and a lot of that has shaped how I parented my kids Mm -hmm. the way my mum was with me um, I've gone off on a tangent now I can't remember the question (laughs) I was just asking if it changed if your dynamic or relationship with your mum and dad had changed oh. when you saw your relationship with the boy's dad for what it was? So my dad, I saw my dad once a week because he lived away mm-hmm. at that point. 
and I was angry with him, really right. angry with him that he didn't help me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I went off him, I didn't like him really very much anymore. And I saw the way that he was with my children in a different light, like right. he was very short-tempered with them and stuff. Um, and then my mum, she took the dad's side. Right. She loved oh, him. Right. She thought he was amazing. She was really angry that I'd got the police to take right. him off. Okay. Um, she was really cross. And then she kept trying to come and she favoured James over the others. Um, and she blamed me for his autism. She didn't have a clue what it was or anything. So my bad parenting, as it were, mm-hmm. is why he was like he was. Um, and when he went to stay with my mum, he was very different because she had rules and strict things and he liked that because right. that's what he needed. Yeah. I didn't. I was like a carefree parent, you know, yeah. one day we'll go here, one day we'll go there. Or yeah. So he didn't fit well in that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Um, so our relationship fractured quite a lot, especially yeah. when I started taking drugs and drinking and, mm-hmm. you know, she's never done anything like that. So yeah. she was really disappointed in me mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. But now mm-hmm. I'm older, I think, oh, I really wish I could, she could see me now. Yeah. I wish she could see that I've, that was just a little brief period and, and now everything's really good, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it, it did change. Again, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but is there anything in your life that has shaped how you parent that you're happy to talk about? Are there any situations or circumstances that have affected this? So I think I've really changed in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, I got a new friend, and I kept talk, we talk over WhatsApp because she mm-hmm. lives down south, and she kept saying, um, "You you know that you're autistic, don't you?" And I was like, "No, I'm not. Pack it in. I'm definitely not. I'm nothing like James." And she was like, you definitely are. So I said, right, to shut you up, I'm going to take the tests. Mm-hmm. So I did these tests. Because she said that people don't say the stuff that I say. And I'm like, yeah, they do. <laughs> um, and she was like, they don't. Um, so I did these tests, autism, ADHD, and there was um, other ones on there. So you filled out all the mm-hmm. forms and everything. Anyway, it came back that... Yeah. Uh, I'm ADHD, mm-hmm. I've got sensory processing disorder, yeah. which makes so much sense yeah. to me now, which is very similar to autistic, autistic traits, which is, I think, why she thought that yeah. that was that. And also dyscalculia, which I oh, never right. knew. I've always struggled with maths, but I just thought I was useless. Yeah. So then I started on a really deep rabbit hole of all this stuff and, and like how have I coped for all these years with these things and how, and I felt guilt and like uh, grieving like my life could be so different and there was a point where I thought no matter how many courses I do mm-hmm. no matter how many things I put in place it's never going to be different I kept trying to all these years I kept trying to trick myself the kids used to laugh at me oh she is another plan <laughs> right, we've got a plan now how long is this plan going to last <laughs> I'd have them stuck on the fridge. Right, kids, we're going to get up every day and this is what we're going to do. And they'd be like, yeah, mum, yeah. Because they knew, <laughs> they just knew it yeah. wouldn't. Anyway, interestingly, so James is my eldest and Chris is the youngest and Chris has got mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Adam hasn't. Um, and when I told them about my test results, James and Chris both went, well, yeah. 
what are you sharks we're not and I was like what and Adam's in complete denial right. he's like there's nothing no you're not you're definitely not and I think it's because he's grown up with two brothers mm-hmm. none of them get on with each other right. two brothers who've got deep issues and and he doesn't want somebody else in his family to have more issues right <laughs> And it's been interesting talking to Tom because Tom was in denial as well. He was like, no, that's just you. Mm -hmm. And then he saw all the questions and answers and he was like, oh, yeah, you do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Um, And I said, you take the test then. If you think it's not right, you do it. And he did it and he got such a low score on everything. Mm -hmm. So it showed that it's not, you know. Anyway, so since then, I've treated James and Chris so differently Mm -hmm. because now I understand that all these weird quirks that's what they have so when I used to think Chris is just being rude to me yeah going don't make small talk with me I'm not interested I'd take that as a deep Mm offense but now I realize why he's not interested yeah so that has changed me but I, I so wish I'd have known all them years ago, because I'd have treated them completely yeah. different. James and I have had a really good talk about a year ago, and I said, I'm so sorry, James, for the way that I treated you, because I didn't know how, what to do. Yeah. And he said, Mum, I was an arse as well. Just because I'm autistic, I was also that, you know. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just that. So we've really come together now, and our relationship's much better, yeah. which is good. That was something I was going to ask, is what's obviously now there older what's your relationship like with all of them so with james it's good he lives in sheltered accommodation in chorley mm-hmm. because he can't live on his own yeah um and we're looking to see if there's somewhere here that he can move to because i think he feels out of it really yeah. um so that's good we see him very sporadically mm-hmm. um if we're together too long we start grating on right. each other because in my head i always think he's capable of much more Mm-hmm. than he is right and when he when he isn't doing stuff i just think why are you being lazy even though i'm the same yeah. you know um so yeah we see him sporadically adam moved to lancaster but on saturday he's moving to barrow because mm-hmm. he's got a new girlfriend and they're moving in together he's i don't ever have to think about him or worry about him everything's just fine you know yeah. our relationship's weird because we get on really well but since my diagnosis I've realised how many things he says to me actually that are normal things this is really hard to describe but if I've been to town and I'm completely overwhelmed by all Mm -hmm. the sights, sounds, smells everything, when I get home I'm really, every time I'm really hot, I'm really sweaty I really need to take all my clothes off, get in the shower get a cup of tea and just sit there just for a bit, just to calm down whereas Adam doesn't experience that he just goes to town and comes home and he doesn't, we don't so there's that mismatch of understanding so on on a surface level we get on really well. He's great company to go out with because he loves nature and adventures. Mm-hmm. We we have a great um, relationship on a... It sounds horrible saying a surface level, but not in a deep yeah, way, if I that makes mean, sense. Yeah. Um, 
and Chris it's just awful he he lives at home with us uh, he goes to uni one day a week and the rest of the time he doesn't go out anywhere right. and he blames me for everything right, okay. he, I think he blames me because he doesn't have a life this is his words he doesn't have a life he's also transgender so mm. he's got a lot of um mental stuff around that yes and every time i've tried to get him help in mental health services they've been useless and so he's so he's got no uh respect or no faith in them that anybody can help him right um and it's really terrible and we don't get on at all right. we did when he was younger yeah he, he was like this is awful, but I'm just going to say it. He was like my favourite because he was so much fun to mm -hmm. be with. Um, and I spent a lot of time with him uh, and we got on really well. And then he became a teenager and it all changed. And yeah. he and he hates me when I'm on my moon time. Mm -hmm. He doesn't speak to me if right. I'm on my period at all. I think that's because he doesn't. he's never going to experience them. Yeah. Um, there's loads of stuff. Yeah. Uh, him and Tom this week have been making building a computer together and I could hear him in the other room chatting away to Tom about it and then I went in and Tom had gone upstairs for something and I said how are you getting on then uh, love that's what I said how are you getting on love do not call me love and it doesn't matter right. and I'm like and one minute ago you was really lovely to Tom chatting yeah but you can't do that with me and it does break my heart I was going to say is that hard really hard yeah. I went off and I just cried because yeah. I just thought I've not actually done anything he blames me for not having two parents he blames me that he was a, a child from uh, coming out in certain circumstances you know as he did yeah. and the only reason he knows about that is because he said he'd seen something on somebody's podcast right. a couple of years ago and I was mortified because I didn't think he looked at anything that I did because he's yeah. not interested. So we had to have a massive discussion about that. And I said, but I chose to keep you. Mm. I chose you. You know, I didn't choose how you came about, yeah. but I chose to keep you. Um, and and I can understand how horrible that is for him. But yeah, it's, it's awful. Yeah. And how, how does it make you, like, how do you feel as a mum with you saying that they don't get on with each other oh it's so annoying it just really annoys this year is the first year where i've thought i was talking to a friend about christmas yeah and i said it's awful because they don't they'll sit together right so james wants to be friends with everyone but because he was such a uh, an awkward person through his autism right. when he was younger the other two don't like him so adam will tolerate him right uh, but after a bit, he get, he's had enough, which I, I can understand. Um, Chris hates both of them because they're both doing their own thing. And he says, oh, Adam's a golden boy because he's got a girlfriend. He lives in his own house, this and the other. Um, uh, you you do all this stuff for Adam. I haven't. Adam's done it all himself. Mm -hmm. right? um, and it's so hard. So Chris only eats upstairs. He won't eat right. with us. All this stuff. So I was talking to a friend and I said, I realised I want a middle class Christmas. I want a Christmas like what's on the telly, on mm -hmm. films. That's what I want. 
never happens. Why do I put myself through it every year thinking we're going to have a middle class Christmas, we don't ever have one. Yeah. So I said to each of them individually, how do you want your Christmas to be? Mm-hmm. And they all said, I just want nice food and I, and I just want to watch movies. Chris said, I want to be on my own. And before, I'd have took great offence at that. Yeah. And I said, all I want is nice food and a small amount of time together and then some. I want to go and sit on my bed, do you know? So we all had our own ideas and that's what we did and we had a lovely Christmas. Tom, uh, Adam's girlfriend's from Russia. Mm-hmm. She's a teacher over here. She teaches uh, kids with special needs and she was amazing with James. So patient with him. Um, and we played games and we had Christmas dinner. Chris didn't eat with us. He stayed upstairs. Everybody was happy. And it was the first time in all them years that they've they haven't got on but they were civil to each yeah. other and it was like oh thank god for that <laughs> but, yeah so i've oh. come to a conclusion now that i'm just not going to have that yeah i'm not going to more it. accepting of the situation yeah yeah what's your biggest value when it comes to parenting um so do you mean the values that i instill into the children what I wanted to instill into your, them. Yeah, I guess your biggest value as a parent, so however that, whether that's whether you, what you instill into them or just what something you do or... Um, I think my thing was, over, was always to make them respect and treat nature properly. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my biggest value, the connection to nature, because I think when you're connected to nature, you're connected to everything. Mm-hmm. Um litter was a massive one you yeah. don't ever drop litter um <laughs> this is a really stupid one but always saying your teas so if you say water <laughs> you've got to say water i've been cringing at Dr- me i really bad oh, i have not noticed i haven't noticed um so yeah so i'd be like you have to say your teas so that was i mean it's ridiculous but that was a thing that i used to like really instill but nature's my biggest yeah thing I think having that curiosity yeah and so what did you because obviously from the little bit that I know about you what did you do to kind of instill that so we we turned our backyard and it was a yard in Mm -hmm. the middle of a town we turned it into like the good life so we had allotment um things that we built we had chickens in there from being little one day old and stuff um so they grew stuff they knew where stuff came from Mm -hmm. um i home educated the two youngest oh did you i took them out of school when they were seven and eight right so for home education it was learning where your food comes from Mm -hmm. you know how far it's traveled all that kind of stuff um how how to use herbs as herbal remedies and natural remedies what you do with animals and you know how you look after them all that kind of stuff we had an allotment as well so they did beekeeping um yeah just any anything like like that um and their school work we Mm -hmm. will loosely say that was all based around hands-on learning so how to bake how to change um a washer on a tap you yeah. know how to fix a washing machine if it breaks all the all the things that you need really as long alongside a basic thing of english yeah. and maths and stuff but yeah it was all hands-on connection to nature and so. do you see much of that in their lives now definitely with adam mm-hmm. like with adam he's he's 
quite connected like he loves to be out exploring yeah. all the time Chris not so much but in his food he's very um, he's gone quite extreme actually lately in what he'll eat and what he won't mm-hmm. eat um, but I think that's to do more with his testosterone and yeah. stuff uh, James not so much but he's always cared for animals and he's always cared for little kids he's mm-hmm. always been like that but I think because he lives in the middle of Chorley, there's yeah. not much yeah. thing for that, you know, with him. Yeah. What has been your biggest challenge so far? As a parent, mm-hmm. understanding that they're all really different. And this is an awareness now, mm-hmm. as a reflection, that the time you have with them is so short. And the trouble is when you're in it, it's so hectic yeah. that you don't appreciate the, the things. So you think it's going to go on forever and it just doesn't. It's gone before you know yeah. it. Um, and in my head, I thought they'd get to 18 and then that'd be it. Off yeah. they go and I'd be free and that isn't no, it at all. It doesn't work like no, that, does it? <laughs> not at all. Um, there's always something, a new level of something. Um what was the question again? Sorry. Yeah, your biggest challenge. Oh, my so biggest far. challenge. So my biggest challenge is that they're not me. That's my biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. They're not me, and they've got their own individual needs and their own individual journeys. Mm-hmm. And no matter what I think they should be doing, yeah. they're gonna do their own thing. Mm-hmm. That's and that's something that's. It's never really mentioned to you like before you become a parent or it's never really talked about is it and that's something that's so hard to to kind of acknowledge and accept as a parent yeah Yeah. it is because it's like you've been put with all these little random strangers (laughs) and you've got to to figure them all out yeah you've got to work it all out but while you're working it out you've got to look after them at the same time and look after yourself yeah and it's like, hang on a minute here. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You're really, what are you doing? You're really odd. You don't fit into <laughs> these other people. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. And that's it. And you, once you've had one, you kind of, you're getting to know them and stuff. And then you just expect another one <laughs> yeah. to be the same. And they're not, are they? They're completely no. different. And, you know, even though you might be raising them the same or doing the same stuff, they're a different individual person. And, yeah. and then no one kind of tells you, well, you have you figure out this one, but then you might have to change tact with this one and do something different. Yeah. But while you're still doing the other thing with the other one, and it's like, oh my goodness, yeah. Like how and like you say, how do you do all that? And then look after yourself and yeah. keep a house and yeah. if you've got to work and and a relationship going yeah. with your partner yeah. and yeah, it is really tricky. Yeah. And my other little bit of advice is, if you're going to have children, have them in equal numbers. I found having one and two was mm-hmm. great. As soon as I had three, it was weird because whenever you go out to somewhere, it's everything served in fours yeah. or or sixes, and there's always this odd one out, or when one wants to sit next to you and the other one does, and then you've got a random one yeah. where you're yeah. gonna sit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, but if there was four, mm-hmm. they could pair up together. Yeah. So I found that really. Yeah. Don't ever have three. I have two or four. <laughs> um, last question. What do you wish you could change about parenting in general as in for everyone? I think that I wish I could change that mums could be honest with each other Mm. and 
that you don't have to everybody parents differently and it's all right but we've all got loads of things that are in common that are struggles yeah. in common struggles and as women in general even not as parents but as women it's like we have to pretend that everything's all right yeah. and even if somebody says to you how are you and you go oh yeah i'm fine you but you're not yeah you know and if more women were honest and said like i remember going to playgroup when they were little and you could see people struggling and I was struggling, I had postnatal depression but but you wouldn't openly say, look I'm really struggling mm. today, you know I, I w- there's some things that I've done as a parent that I still now feel dreadful for, when Chris never slept through the night and one morning I'd woke up and he was screaming and I picked him up to throw him across the room when I was still in bed and my partner grabbed hold of him. He went, what are you doing? And I went, oh, oh, I don't know. I just wanted him to stop crying. And in that instant, I didn't know that that was a child in my hands. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But if I'd have said to my health visitor at the time, yeah. this is what I'd done, there'd have been loads of things in, you know, oh, this is, a, you're a dangerous mum, this, that and the other. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. No, I just needed just some needed, help. Yeah. I yeah. was so exhausted. And that is, I find, that is the thing with so many mums. They just need some help. Yeah, just a little, just a little bit of something. Yeah. Um, because it's knackering being yeah. a parent, especially when they're little. Yeah. Um. So if we could all just be honest and not, and I love what you do because it's not about judging each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if I'd have said that in playgroup yeah. and said this morning I nearly threw him across the room because I just wanted him to stop crying, they'd have been horrified. Yeah. But there could have then been another mum that thought, well, I've done something like that. But we don't speak up. So I think it's important to have these conversations, like unfiltered, but not feel, if I say this, I'm going to be deemed as a bad person. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish? Just that, with hindsight, and a lot of old old ladies, (laughs) a lot of old ladies say this, if you've got little ones... All the things that you think matter don't actually matter. It doesn't matter if your house is spotless. It doesn't matter if you've got makeup on and you look put together. It matters that you spend time with your kids doing the things that you and they Mm -hmm. really enjoy. Because at some point they're gonna be older and you can if you want you can have a spotless house then. Yeah. And and it doesn't matter that you've not done the hoovering for a week, but Mm -hmm. if your kids are fed and they're happy yeah d- that's most most important don't feel like you've got to be all things to everyone and yeah. and and look look the part i think mm-hmm. yeah it's and actually being active in in it i wish that is something that all mums would realize earlier on because so yeah. many don't realize it until till the children are grown up and they look back in hindsight and yeah that's something that i wish that not not even just realize because i think there's a lot of mums that do realise that, but they just can't quite change it, and yeah. they still feel like they've got to keep up appearances or be this quotation good mum by yeah. doing all that, and that isn't what makes you a good mum. No, not at all. Mm. My house was spotless when my kids were little mm-hmm. because it was the only thing I could control. Yeah, I couldn't control anything else in my life, but I could control the house looking spotless. So I thought 
when the health visitor came mm-hmm. or a friend had come, they'd go, oh, isn't she a good mum because the house is tidy? I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was falling apart. My relationship was awful. I couldn't cope. I'd fall asleep at the drop of a hat because mm-hmm. I was exhausted. But because it looked like I was doing a good job, people thought it. Yeah. So it's not, it's not it at all. Just take that take that time to just say oh the other thing is sorry (laughs) the other thing is and this is a really big thing that i wish i could go back when you're feeding your baby where if you're breastfeeding it's different but if you're bottle feeding your baby actually spend the time feeding the baby don't just like prop it up with a bottle or be on your phone while Mm -hmm. you're feeding the baby because that feeding the baby thing even though you think, oh, I can multitask here and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, that is very short. And once it's gone, you really yeah. miss it. You really miss that closeness of this little magical creature. That, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that, and I, and I did it loads of times as well. Oh, while I'm feeding the baby, I can just do this other thing. But now I wish I'd have just sat down. Yeah. And, and sleep. When your baby's asleep, just sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter that your house is a tip. Just have a kip. No, sleep's more important yeah. than a lot of other things that we do when we could be. Definitely. Sleeping. Yeah. Not far. <laughs> <laughs> if you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to follow, share with other parents you know, and if you haven't already, please leave a review on the app that you're listening on. A new episode is released every Monday. Follow or subscribe to be notified when each new episode each new episode goes live. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch via any of my social media channels, website or email. Thank you, Ruby, for joining me on today's episode. It's been great to have you. And thank you to everyone for listening.